0: Welcome to the I Love Alt Mortgages podcast, brought to you by Home Trust. And now, your host, Brennan Trenuth. Hey, Broker Nation. Brennan Trenuth here, your host of I Love Alt Mortgages by Home Trust. I'm excited to have Athena, co founder of Sherwood Mortgage Group, join us today for one of our very first podcasts. Athena has been a long standing partner with Home Trust, and she's been in the industry for over 20 years. She's a member of the Home Trust Broker Advisory and always provides her candid feedback and fresh perspectives to help us better serve brokers across the country. It was an obvious choice to have her join our podcast today to share some of her unique experiences and techniques which have helped her grow Sherwood's successful book of alternative business. Athena and her team do about $800 million a year in volume and 40% of that is alternative. So she dives into her method of choosing the right lenders by understanding three key pieces right out of the gate, location, product, and the client. She also touches on how she's learned to better streamline her processes and efficiencies. She talks about why she refers to herself as a glorified puzzle solver when talking to her kids. And what's great is that we get to dive into why she chose to write her best-selling book, Mortgage Don'ts, which can help make it easy for new agents to learn to quickly tackle common pitfalls. What I know you'll enjoy about Athena is hearing how doodling has become a key part of her process and why clients see value in her ability to draw a picture that brings their story to life. Athena shares some of her real-life scenarios, some of which are pretty extreme, and also how relationships with key partners have been clutch in making deals happen in more complicated situations. There's a lot to learn and take from this episode, so sharpen your pencils and take notes. Right, hey everybody, Brendan Trenuth here from Home Trust, the host of I Love All Mortgages. I'm here with Athena, co-founder of Sherwood Mortgage Group. Athena, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Brendan. Yeah, no
0: problem. I want to do a little bit of a warm up question rapid fire with you if you don't mind. There's just four questions. They're pretty fun. So, the first one being, is a hot dog a sandwich, yes or no, and why?
1: No, it's definitely not a sandwich. <laughs> A hamburger is a sandwich. A hot dog is not. Okay.
0: (laughs) No. Number two, if someone was to write a book about you, what would the title be?
1: That's a good question. Come back to it. Next one. Okay.
0: Number three, if you could travel in time, would you want to visit the past or future and why?
1: I would go to the past just to experience what's happened already. I don't want to see what's coming in the future. Okay.
0: And number four, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? So your choices are flying teleporting, being invisible, talking to animals, or super strength,
1: and why? Invisible. It's kind of nice to just disappear every once in a while yeah. <laughs> So yeah, definitely invisible. Okay,
0: perfect. If we circle back yeah. to the second question, if someone were to write a book about you, what would the title be?
1: I think it would be just chill.
0: <laughs> just, just
1: chill. It's, um, there's nothing that phases me. So yeah. even in being in this business, or just life in general, Everything is just easy going chill. That's so, a good
0: answer. Just chill by Athena. Just chill.
1: No, no, not about <laughs> Athena. I'm not, I'm not writing it. Yeah.
0: So let's just get started and jump right into it. Our main question here that we want to know about you is, you know, why the mortgage industry? How did you kind of get into this and get to where you are today?
1: So the mortgage industry fell into my lap by accident. I was supposed to actually go into biotech. I wanted to get into genetic engineering and do all that kind of fun stuff. And as I was in university, I got a part-time job, and it was in one of these sales offices, these builder sales offices. And from there, it led to admin, which led to crossing paths with a Royal Bank mortgage specialist. I needed a co-op placement, he needed an assistant, and I never looked back since. I didn't even know what the word mortgage meant. So it was complete and utterly by accident.
0: So you were in the bank before you moved over to the mortgage brokering side of it. That's obviously a heavy service industry as well. So how did that help you being on kind of the bank to transition over into the mortgage brokering world?
1: It was actually quite easy. I was in the bank for about 10 years and I did nothing but the mortgage specialist role. So it had to be service-based. It was commission-based. So you had to service in order to close those deals. It got to the point where you knew the product range so well, but then as your clients came back to you looking for the secondary homes, looking to invest, the bank became a little bit more limited. So us to move over to broker world was a natural progression in order to service our customers, so it was a fantastic transition.
0: Okay, so it was a fantastic transition, but was there a big hurdle that you had to overcome when you first jumped into the mortgage space?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. We joked around that if we sent in, I think, 10 deals for approval, 13 came back declined. Yeah. And you know, we were used to our product line, we were used to Royal Bank's products, you know, we would get them approved with our eyes closed and then we came onto this side and even though we would do let's just compare you Nova know, Scotia or TD to Royal Bank everybody had their different buckets everybody had their different policies so we had to just put on the brakes learn everything it took us probably a good 7 to 8 months before we got our feet wet and started actually moving the same volume of business that we were doing at the bank so it was a huge learning curve
0: You know, there's obviously going to be a lot of agents listening to this podcast that are starting out in the industry or fairly new to the industry as well. Maybe you can just explain a little bit about the importance of the five C's of credit and knowing your client or KYC, as we call it, and why it's so important in knowing that to get, you know, starting off on the right foot with a lender that you're dealing with.
1: Every lender has, I guess, their happy place, their niche product, you know, what they do well. When you understand the five C's of credit, and you know Anthony, who's my business partner, will argue that there's a sixth C of credit, which is you know common sense, but if you understand that one of those C's is going to be your limitations, it always is, be it income, be it credit, then you know where to aim your deal to a little more organically, and you're not trying to shove a deal down a lender's throat that it doesn't belong there. So I think it's twofold. It's knowing the five C's of credit, knowing your client and where their restrictions may or may not be. And at the same time, knowing your lenders, because you have to be able to partner it up properly. And you can only do that when you know your customer. Mm -hmm. If you miss one of those C's or you're not paying attention, and all of a sudden the lender picks up, you've wasted everybody's time. Forget about efficiencies, but then afterwards you've got to reroute and try and find a different solution. So it just makes your operation a lot more seamless. Definitely. Definitely. Knowing your client is huge at the beginning in order to facilitate and make it a great customer experience and a great lender experience on the back end.
0: Right. You mentioned efficiencies there too, and I know that you know we want our business partners that we deal with, to, you know, to have high efficiency levels. And I'm sure as a broker, you hold that same you know standard for yourself as well. Maybe just talk about the importance of efficiencies from the broker perspective, because you know a lot of agents coming into the industry may not really understand that side of it right now.
1: Yeah, so efficiencies, you know, help everybody, obviously. But sometimes you just can't help it. We're sitting right now on a deal and it's an alternate deal. And the customer, definitely an alternate type of a client. However, their current mortgage at CIBC is willing to port. So if I cancel this, you know, B deal that we've got for this woman who's a dentist, and give her, you know, her existing port with CIBC, which you know we can't help with, and I mm-hmm. gotta put in a second, there's instances where you know you can't help but cancel. You know, an appraisal doesn't come in or a condition doesn't satisfy. For the most part though, the more efficient you are, I find even the service level. You get your MO's on the other side, your mortgage officers from the lender helping out a bit. The back and forth of the documentation, the conditions becomes a little more fluid. The lender gets to know how you operate your business. You understand the lender's mechanisms. The client on the other side isn't being asked over and over repeatedly, you know, I'm changing a condition or I need another set of paperwork. There becomes almost like a rhythm between deal in and deal out. So, the efficiency piece helps because if you've got lower efficiencies with the lender, they're not going to necessarily go to bat for you right. and help, I guess, help streamline the process a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you're sending them one deal, there's no way you could possibly know what their process is. Do they send a tick sheet? Do they have a portal? Whereas, once you continuously use those same lenders and you've got great efficiencies with them, becomes a very cohesive kind of a process right
0: as a co-founder of Sherwood Mortgage Group do you have any advice for agents or brokers that you know might be on the cusp of wanting to expand their team because we talked about this earlier and you grew your number of agents within your brokerage from nine to about 90 coast to coast as well so maybe there's some tips along the way on how you're able to get to that size of a brokerage
1: be patient (laughs) be patient (laughs) the big one It definitely doesn't happen overnight and you have to understand what you're growing. There's human beings on the other side. It's not just bodies. It's not just numbers. Everybody sees the numbers and, Oh, you know, I'm going to bring over a $20 million producer, $50 million producer. It's a lot of work. You've got to nurture them. You've got to make sure they're set up to succeed. So Sherwood for instance is not a coaching brokerage because Anthony and I are producing owners. We do fund mortgages. We don't have the resources to coach. So we tend to, know that anybody we're recruiting has to be an existing, either a bankrupt or somebody who's in the business already who can hit the ground running. We've found in the past, if there's a brand new agent, you know, fresh out of the class saying, hey, I want to be an agent, it's not the right environment and we'll steer them to a better brokerage suited for that individual. But what I would probably say is if you're going to grow your business, no, you've got to put the time into it. There's a lot you've got to, you know, deal escalations, administrative stuff. You know, it's not just deals are going to start coming in and our team's going to grow, right? And it took us a while. And, you know, we're still growing. Plus, we had to change our model for a bit because we wanted to keep it small in boutique. And at some point, you start realizing, okay, well, maybe we can bring in some bigger teams, mm-hmm. right? Maybe have lead planners in there. So it's not just you that has all the agents. You've got some leaders as well who undertake these junior agents, for lack of a better word. Right. And that can help groom them as well.
0: What is it about your job that keeps you going? Like, what keeps you motivated and passionate about <laughs> being in the mortgage space?
1: In <laughs> well, it depends on the day of the week. So yeah. some days I just make coffees and that makes me really happy. <laughs> I don't have to up the phone. <laughs> okay. Other times, I think it's when a client comes to you and they're in despair. You know, their bank has turned them down or their, their friend has, you know, recommended somebody else. And then they end up on your desk and you fix it. So I tell my kids all the time, like, I'm a glorified puzzle solver. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. you got to put the right pieces together in order to see the picture. Yeah. So what do I like? I like when they come to me and they think it's a completely unsolvable puzzle. And then you provide them a solution and they think you walk on water. It's like, I didn't do anything. I just happened to ask the right questions right. and pull out the right information from me that I need. So that's what drives me. And then seeing them move on, be it a purchase, be it refinancing to pay off debt and increase their cash flow because they're drowning, be it buy that cottage or send their kids to university, mm-hmm. whatever that goal is, it doesn't yeah. matter. You just, you fix the problem.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. Nobody can see this, but I am holding a copy of your book. It's called Mortgage Don'ts. I bought this a couple weeks ago, read it, you know, in a couple days. I thought it was phenomenal because it's something that I see every single day. And just like, you know, the whole process and, you know, clients not being forthcoming and giving you the right information and just how that whole process can look great one day and then the next day it's flipped upside exactly. down. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who uh, doesn't know Athena, she did write a book called Mortgage Don'ts in 2019. Maybe you can give a bit more background on why you decided to write this book.
1: It was twofold. I think there's a lot of you know, how-tos out there. And sometimes it's a little more efficient if you say, you know, just avoid, avoid these little pitfalls, right? Everybody's trying to remember the top 10 and the top five. I spun it around the other way. Like, guys, let's just try to avoid this. The main thing is, as you can see my doodles in there, I found that every single client left with my doodles. So as I'm talking to customers, I'm always drawing. And I'm drawing my stick figures, and I've got my arrows going, because I'll forget the story. We talk to so many people during the day. Mm -hmm. And the clients will always leave and say, can I take a copy that? And it's like, well, it's just a doodle, not really. I I need it for my notes, (laughs) But if we look at it, we can follow the story. These clients don't speak mortgage. Yeah. We speak mortgage. Yeah. So the pictures tended to help. And I thought, well, if everybody's leaving with my doodles, why don't I just put in a book? Yeah. And it was always the same errors. It's not the client's job necessarily to tell us everything. It's our job to ask the right questions. They don't mm-hmm. know what we need. They don't know like if you ask them, how much money do you make? And they say, I make 70000 If it's part commission, right. a lot of overtime, or if it's a contract. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to siphon that out. So it's not that they're lying when their T four comes in at you know thirty thousand, or it comes to the job letter says, oh sorry, their contract for six months. They're not lying. We didn't do our job properly to make sure that we tease out the right information that we need. Right. So the book was more geared for I guess end users, clients who are maybe looking to purchase. It was geared towards newer agents. It's like, okay guys, here's your kind of pitfalls. Like if you don't get this, and I'll never forget the family who came in with. I think it was 15 bank accounts for the down payment, and there was like a thousand dollars in each bank account that I needed to get a 90-day history. But then they were moving the money over, and they were transferring it from one account to the other to the other. And we have a massive boardroom at, at the sherwood office, and my underwriter and I from the office literally took the entire boardroom table and called, you know, account A, account B. I think we ended up all the way to account M with arrows and. If we had just asked, if I had asked where is your down payment, they said savings, it's good great, like where is savings, how many accounts do you have? Yeah. Now I know. Ask so that you can prepare with how much paperwork. That's where the book was geared towards. It's not geared towards realtors per se or anybody who's seasoned. It's a complete easy read. Yeah. It's yeah. such an easy read. Yeah. That was the the premise behind it.
0: But it was fun to read it because yeah. it just Reminded me of everything that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. But you see the
1: stories. Oh, yeah, Guaranteed for sure. You saw the people in your head. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, sure. Maybe some of them were our clients. Um, <laughs> <They're perfect>. <laughs> <laughs> you think any of your clients took those scribbles home or the drawings home and, like, framed it?
1: You know what? I've had people. I've had people call me after and say, I still have the drawing from the first time we bought our house. Yeah. You know, we want to sell now. Can you buy another? I'm like, oh, that's a different doodle altogether, man. we got to deal with the sale and the purchase. Like, that's a completely different drawing. But it was shocking how many people would eye it because I would go and photocopy IDs and stuff. And they're like, can we just, can we get a copy of that too? like what this is like this is just crap like, well i it's think just, it's
0: unique as well because uh, i don't know anybody else who doodles like that to show the storyline and some people need to see that visual yep. in order to understand it right yeah maybe you wish that you could send it to an underwriter sometimes at a lenders yeah <laughs>
1: yeah sometimes i do though. i'll take a picture like here's the story <laughs> and the thing is i can't draw to save my life like yeah. it's just stick figures and arrows there's nothing sophisticated about it yeah. and there's dollar signs and there's like boxes with okay here's debt and But for whatever reason, they're like, Athena, if we start here, we know you started here, we can follow your story around. I'm like, okay, but you can't take my copy. I'll make your copy.
0: Yeah. And I think the biggest takeaway that I took from it was, you know, if you're a client or probably more so an agent is that KYC piece to the application, making sure that you're asking the right questions to the client. Always, And I yeah. think you've know you probably learned a lot of lessons along the way with that, maybe not asking the right question at that point in time. Yeah. Like you said, you asked for down payment, they said it was in savings account, but all of a sudden you get 15 different bank accounts. Like that's got to be an absolute it's, nightmare. It's
1: horrifying. Or, you know, my mom's sending me a gift and you forget to ask, well, where's your mom? Because when mom is in Syria, it doesn't work. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. So all of a sudden you're kind of like, okay, let me at least prep you. It's so not that we can't do the deal, but now instead of me asking you for 90-day history of down payment, I'm going to need wire transfers and like your firstborn and some DNA and like a whole encyclopedia of paperwork, right? But let me set up the expectation properly. So all of those mistakes, I've lived them. <laughs> Hands down, I've lived them. Yeah. And you learn, you're like, okay, what do we do next time moving forward to not go through this again? Because the lenders will look at us, and I'm sure I've had plenty of home trust underwriters call me like <laughs> Athena. What are you doing? And it's like, I'm sorry, I had no clue. It's not that we try to hide this or we try yeah. to circumvent the situation. It's just sometimes it pops up onto our desk last minute. Yeah. And when a client gives us down payment confirmation and there's a wire transfer from overseas, you're like, What where did this come from? Look, like, it's from my mom. And then you're like, shit, I forgot to ask you, where is mom? Yeah. And you know, mom's in India or mom's in New York. Like So it's additional paperwork. I've got nobody to blame by myself for those.
0: Yeah. And I mean, on the old space as well, I mean, there's usually a story or something along those lines that can just help, you know, cooperate with the story. And, you know, we can still end up doing that deal. But I find a lot of times that people might know that there's certain things within different accounts or documents that you can't get, but they don't really speak up about it. I think it's really important to really dive in a little bit further with those clients to really find out what's going on because you know you say you talk about a lot in your book is that you know a week before closing you get this information and it just it just turns off upside down there's probably like a pit feeling in your stomach like what am I (laughs) going to do now (laughs) from a lender perspective we're going what is going on here why does it look like this I didn't know about it You know, is there any other stories that you can talk about?
1: Well, you guys were really good with one file. This was an extreme. And I think this is where the alternate space comes in really, really handy. And the relationship piece comes in handy. And it was the first-time buyer in the country for two years, originally from Iraq. And you guys wanted the 12-month bank statement. It's fantastic. He had it. But you wanted to see the original deposit of the money coming in. And it turns out this gentleman was... I don't know, some village either in Iraq or Turkey. I don't remember off the top of my head, but the village literally burned down and he had moved the money, taken it with him out and had to go to his friends, move the money into his bank account, take the money out. It was like the most convoluted story. You couldn't make it up. And it was definitely home trust. And I'm like, guys, the village burned down. The banks closed. They knew they pulled the money out. They took it to place A because they had to run, literally grab their families and run. Let's say they moved to Turkey from Iraq. They moved it to a Turkish bank. From a Turkish bank, they had to literally take it, cash on them on the plane to get to wherever they were going. But there was also some money transfers as they were on the road. Now imagine from the village to Turkey, they had to stop along the way and then send wire transfers to where they were going. We went back and the underwriter on home trust was like, okay, let's locate these money transfer places and at least if we can get locations of them and match it up with the receipts, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit more comfort, you got a little bit more comfort because now we see them moving from point A to point B and one of them was legit a gas station where they had one of these money transfer places. I'm like, am I really looking up gas stations right now in between Iraq and Turkey? And they're like, look, it's either that or the file gets canceled, but we work together and the customer's totally understanding but how often do you deal with somebody who's running away from a burning village,
0: right? Yeah, but I think in that example, too, I think you probably did a very good job at going that extra mile to get the information that we needed to make it make sense, and I find maybe a lot of people may not go to that extreme all the time, which makes it difficult on a lender, too, right? Of course. So
1: It also helps with your relationships, because you guys were willing to help out. The realtor was willing because of the relationship with us, long-term relationship. It was like, okay, Tina, let's just sit down. How do we deal with this? Because it was a young family. If we canceled the file, they're out on the street, right? So we all sat down. It was home trust. It was a realtor. It was myself. It was the client. It's like, all right, start digging up for papers. He had to call his family back in Turkey, pull out receipts from their deposits and their wires over. The fact that we pulled it off and funded it, it was a sheer miracle. But I always tell people I had to track down gas stations on some remote routes. It was the wow. most phenomenal thing I've ever done.
0: It was a crazy story and yeah. a very unique story yeah. at, at that. In talking about alternative lenders, what are some key factors that you look for in an alternative lender when deciding on where you're going to send that file?
1: So, I think location is probably the big one. We've got a lot of different markets. I know, for instance, you guys were really key in helping us with the Sarnia and the southwestern Ontario market where there wasn't a lot of alternate presence. And our girl out there did a presentation for you guys. And you guys were willing to help out a little bit and extend, you know, instead of doing 50% loan to value, you brought up to 65, 70. So location is key, obviously type of product. If we're, you know, in a condo in sketchy or night neighborhood, you kind of know, you know, who am I taking this to or not taking this to. And then at the end, we go back to know your client. If I've got crazy ratios, I'm going to my extended ratios. If I've got something that's a little more, you know, a minus gray, I'm going to the better priced B lender because mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, pricing does come into play sometimes, right? right? And sometimes one lender has a promotion and another one doesn't. So, if you just miss the A mark, I'm going to a better priced, everything else being equal. That's how I usually gauge it.
0: Typically, when you get a file in and you start talking to a client, you know, how difficult is it for you to determine if that's going to be an A client or a B client? Like, is there some you know, signs that say, you know what, this is going to be client all day long, or you have to wait until you start getting in some of the documentation. And
1: no, usually from when I'm talking to them, right I've been doing this way too long, you yeah. guys. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> way Too long.
0: That's good because we want the listeners to understand that, you know, you have a lot of experience in this industry. Yeah. You know, it will take time to understand where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, at the beginning we had to sit down and, you know, do the application. And now you ask, I don't know, maybe five questions. How much money are you making? Okay, great, you know, what paper am I gonna get for it? And if they're like, oh, but you know, I'm a contractor. Oh, I'm self-employed, I'm not showing much. So you know, the conversation leads you to the next question, but you know, down payment, I've got 5%. Well, that's gotta go A, and if it doesn't work A, then you're out of luck. You either need more down payment or a signer But if you've got 20, 25, okay, now talk to me. What are we doing with our income? This morning, I had a customer who called me, his wife works for a German company in the Ukraine. I've got a non-resident income. Okay, this could go A, this could go B, I don't know which way this is going to go yet until I run the numbers and see what is her income. So one of those is a little bit more gray. For the most part, somebody will say, well, you know, my credit is not so good. Boom, that's off to B world, right? Oh, you know, I make this much money, but I don't show that much. So there's key phrases that a client uses. As soon as you hear that, you know. You know how you've got to, you know, nurture that conversation because – Let's be honest. Nobody wants a big deal. Right. Everybody wants to pay zero percent, nothing, and you know, and be rock stars. But at the end of the day, you kind of position it as, look: Are you going to get into your house this year, or are you going to wait for two years? Prices could possibly go up, and you're losing today's price because you want to claim more money on your taxes to right. try and get an A mortgage. Or do we get you in now, slightly higher rate? And, you know, and if it's a credit issue, okay, we fix it. Like we just we get you to. We establish some credit you know we get this to become historical credit as opposed to current credit so how do we gauge conversation just starts and somewhere along the line they're gonna say something that you can hook onto and and be like all right this is how we're gonna move forward how
0: do you handle you know that client expectation where they think that they're an a client and then once you start hearing some of that conversation you know that this is going to go to the B channel
1: everyone's an a client yeah
0: like A client. <laughs> how do you handle that too because I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening. would like to understand, you know, that mentality of it because not many people have probably heard no before or, you know, they're going to get yelled at. Maybe they haven't experienced that yet. So how do you
1: kind of handle that? Well, it depends on why they're going to be. So if it's a credit issue, it's self-explanatory. It's kind of like, okay, well, I didn't tell you not to pay your bills. It was a decision that you made for whatever circumstance it was. And just like if you have a car accident and your insurance goes up temporarily because you got into a car accident your rates are going to go up. You had an accident on your credit score. So that's self-explanatory. They understand, you know, make it historical. Eventually, we'll be able to move you over. If it's an income piece, and the one that stings the most is probably the professionals, your medical professionals. And, you know, I'm sitting on the CIBC lady from earlier on. She's a dentist. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've been a CIBC client my whole life. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, you're buying a $1.4 million house on the bank side. I don't know. We need $250 in net income. You showed me $45. Like, how do we do this? Right? So you kind of explain that it's not the banks that are coming after them, that it is more government policy and it is universal across the entire industry. And when they understand that you got to pay to play somewhere, it's like, okay, fine. Let's say you did claim the 250. You do realize you're paying taxes on that money or, you know, just take a higher rate mortgage. You can mitigate the cost of that rate. You can go bi-weekly. You can put some principal repayments. So, but once you pay taxes, that money's gone out the window. And once you position it that way, they're like, Oh yeah, wait a minute, right? Because like, okay, well, how much money do I need on the bank side? And the stress test obviously helps because like, I didn't create the stress test, the lenders didn't create the stress test. It's there and it's a reality. We've got to get around it. And with the stress test, you need to show me, you know, 250 in income. How much tax do you want to call your accountant and see how much tax that is on that kind of money? And they're like, oh my god, my account's set up crazy. I said, right, so let's say two and a quarter and a five year on an A. and 279 or 299 even on a one two-year term on a b plus a one percent fee still cheaper than paying the taxes yeah right so those are the kind of only two i think that are the biggest one anything else that's more unique like a storefront apartment those are easy because they've probably been turned down by their bank so they're a little more open to alternates but that's why you're usually pushing B's either credit or an income
0: You've been a big supporter of Home Trust over the years, so thank you for that first and foremost. Thank you guys.
1: You've been a big supporter of Sherwood. <laughs> uh,
0: but perhaps you can let the listeners know why you've been a big supporter of Home Trust.
1: So Home Trust was one of the first lenders out of the gate when we moved over from Royal Bank. They came out to meet us, they came out to get to know the team, they came out and they did product presentations. So like they took us by the hand and explained B World to us because obviously coming from a big bank, we had no concept of what B World was. So that helps significantly. That we had somebody in our corner that said, "Here, look, we'll guide you. Call us. Don't submit the deal just yet. Call us, and we'll help you structure it." We're loyal to that because you reached out the Olive Branch, and you know, it's something that we'll never forget. Right. Other B lenders have come and gone. I mean, there's more relationships that are forging, and there's a lot of newer B lenders that are coming out. It's not so much that we're changing a lot of our business from Home Trust. It would be more of a niche product that maybe Home Trust doesn't have, like let's say bridge loans. So if we need a bridge loan, for instance, we may veer to a B lender who offers a bridge loan, Mm -hmm. right? But outside of that, you guys have always been there. We have our events, we have our lender assemblies. Home Trust has been the biggest probably Sherwood cheerleader on the back end. And, you know, it doesn't sound like it means much, but it really does when you know you've got a lender like Home Trust in your back corner that you can always reach out to. Be You know, Rose, be it our underwriters, be it anybody. Krista, you can call up and know They're going to talk to you and they're not going to, you know, make you feel stupid or say like, oh, my God, this is a horrible idea that you've got. We know that you're on the other side looking to make a deal happen. You're not looking to kill it. You're not looking to be bothered and say, oh, you know, I don't want to do this deal. We know that you're going to step up to the table and say, "Okay, let's see what we can work with.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've been in the industry over 40 years, well established in the old space. And, you know, I'll talk very highly of our underwriting team here at Home Trust too. I think they're always looking, you know, to find that solution for those clients. I know some of the situations that we get are a little chaotic and crazy, but it's, you know, because of great business partners like yourself that make that process a little bit easier. And, you know, we try to reciprocate that on the other end as well, making sure that those files, you know, come in and close smoothly. You know, at the end of the day, we want... You know every file that we commit on we want to close it that's why we ask so many questions up front yeah. we want to know the client know what we can condition for what we can't condition for and you know move along with the process there yeah maybe you could tell us what is a career mistake that has given you the biggest lesson
1: i think taking things for granted we meet people all the time so we're constantly at functions we're talking to clients you don't realize that you know next time somebody hears the word mortgage you're just going to think of you. So we get referrals from places that we would never imagine. And I think there was a point in time where it was just so busy that you're just exhausted and you're pulled so thin that you start snapping and you start being, you know, not as pleasant to customers. It's like, I'll call you back and then you forget to call them back. And then it quickly kind of, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, a month later, you get somebody calling saying, oh, so-and-so spoke so highly of you. And I was wondering if you can help me out and it brings you back down to reality. So I think a mistake would be don't take it for granted. Your reputation really is all that you can go on. You can put a deal together, but that lender can close their product line. That lender can close their doors. I mean, we've seen lenders come and go all day long in this industry. That's not what's gonna help you. It's your relationships, your realtors, your customers. Just treat everybody like they matter. We're so distracted these days with text messages coming in, emails, phone calls. It can get really inundating, but at the end of the day, that customer who you're sitting in front of, who you're helping out, they're the ones who are going to continue to sing your praises. And it's just a well-oiled machine. Once you treat everybody well, it comes back to you in spades.
0: Right. So last question here. If you could leave the broker partners across you know the country, one key piece of advice that you believed has helped contribute to your success in alternative lending, what would it be?
1: In alternative lending, get the whole story. And sometimes I'll tell clients, I'm like, well, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm like, just tell it. Tell it and let me do my job. Let me find the right lender for you because I don't want to get caught with something where you didn't tell me a full story. Like, you know, you're giving me your bank account statements and I see social assistance payments going in and you forget to tell me it's a joint account with your sister or your mother or your grandmother, right? And all of a sudden the lender calls me and says, why is there ODSP payments going in here? And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. So just get the whole story it doesn't matter how good or bad or ugly it is you know ask questions the client's not going to think any less of you if you're asking questions a lot of times we don't want to bother the clients but you're going to bother them in the end anyways when you don't have the entire story and you got to get paperwork because the first thing they come back and tell me is you know why wouldn't you ask me this up front and you know sometimes we're shy and we don't want to impose and we don't want to pry but it's our job to pry Mm -hmm. right so pry ask the questions get everything up front and tell the customer hey look you know what i just need to know this I'd rather have the paper not made it than come back to you exactly. the week before closing as you're picking out paint colors and saying, "Hey, can you find me a piece of paper at the bottom of like that box over there in your house?" Yeah. Right. So get the whole story.
0: Well, Athena, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. It was uh, great guys. to have you here. Thank you for it was your fun being here. Thank you for your continued support for yours and Sherwood's support of Home Trust. We truly appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for being like a massive Sherwood partner.